Welcome to our Roots Say That We're Sisters podcast. This podcast series is sponsored by the Marquette Forum with support from Marquette University's Office of Institutional Diversity and Inclusion and the Haggerty Museum of Art. It's an extension of a Marquette University mural project to highlight and uplift diverse women-identified individuals whose images and contributions have been systematically made invisible. The artist, Mauricio Ramirez, used photographs of BIPOC women associated with Marquette as inspiration for the images in the mural. The Our Roots Say That We're Sisters podcast preserves the stories of female-identifying students, faculty, staff, and alumni who've used their gifts to make a meaningful impact on others, especially those who remain unsung heroes. I'm your host, Sheena Carey, from the Diedrich College of Communication. Joining us today is Rochelle Schoen. She works with the University Advancement as the Assistant Engagement Director. And I'm really looking forward to the story she's going to share today. And Rochelle, what is that story you want to share? Thanks so much for having me, Sheena. I'd like to share how I came to Milwaukee, ultimately to Marquette's campus, and how I would like to help impact women of color in this community and beyond. All righty. So how do you identify? As a proud Black woman. So how I ended up in Milwaukee is a pretty interesting story. My husband and I had come to visit my sister a couple of times um, and thought this could be a great opportunity for us. Uh, we come from a very small, predominantly Black city, uh, Benton Harbor, Michigan, and just saw ourselves fitting into the Milwaukee community. We did not have jobs. We literally stepped out on faith, believing that this was would be a great move for us. And interestingly enough, there was a vacancy in the newly created Provost for Diversity office. And at the time, I was working part-time at a community college in a very similar role. And I applied for the position before we made the transition to Wisconsin and I actually had a phone interview with a young lady from HR. She's no longer with the university. And just the questions that she asked, how thoughtful she was. And she took a lot of time with me. And I thought, this could be okay. This may be the start of something good. And that was really the only lead that I had. So fast forward a couple of months, um, I get the call. I am, in fact, hired for the position. I was so excited and a little nervous. I knew nothing about Marquette beyond Dwayne Wade and the basketball team having gone to the Final Four the previous year. And of course, the internet is not what <laughs> it is now. That was not the internet, right, back in 2005. And so I arrive on campus and I was in culture shock. Um, and in full disclosure, I expected to see more black and brown faculty, staff and students. And I did not. But what I did meet and see were just beautiful people along the way that helped me in my journey 
I was introduced to so many different people from across campus, had the opportunity to understand their role. That was a really interesting time for Marquette. It was a big deal for them to even hire a provost for diversity. It had never been done before. So potential was on the horizon, which was a good thing. But it took some time to get there. Now, you said that you came from a similar position. How'd you get on the path of working in the area of diversity and inclusion? Yeah, you know, I like to say it was accidental, but I'm learning in my journey that everything happens for a reason. My steps were just ordered unbeknownst to me. So the part-time job that I had at the community college supporting their version of a provost for diversity, I would go with him into organizations to help him facilitate diversity training. Um, And that's really when my eyes start to open around inequities that are happening and that some some organizations or people they just they don't know it just it's not always coming from a place of harm but if you don't know that you're making racist remarks or that you're not being inclusive when you're sitting around the table so that was kind of my early introduction so imagine how i felt saying such a position at such a prestigious university. And I think I arrived with some thoughts in mind about what this would look like. And Mm -hmm. it just, it has taken a little bit longer to to get there, but it's not the campus that I arrived in 16 years ago. Better or for worse? Uh, Better. Okay. It's better. What role do you, would you think, would you say your identity plays in the work that you do? So because I work closely with our ethnic groups, as well as our National Board of Directors and, and Women's Basketball, I, as a proud Black woman, that diversity lens is intrinsic in what I do. So I'm always listening from that diversity lens. I certainly attempt to lead from that diversity lens. It just, it's not like I can show up and not have that lens show up with me. What does that lens allow you to see that others may not see? I I think it allows me to see a more holistic picture. Are we including women? Are we just including young women or young people? Just some of those very simple strategies to ensure that we are being inclusive. It doesn't always show up in others or maybe they're not comfortable or they just simply don't notice. And that's the lens that I'm bringing into each and every situation. What is your role with women's basketball? So my role with women's basketball is around alumni programming. So part of what my personal goal with women's basketball is, is to continue to build a following. I always say that men's basketball sells itself. It just does. We have to work a little bit harder for women's basketball, particularly at Marquette. We know that there are programs that are selling out arenas and have a huge fan following. But if you haven't experienced a game, um, you're missing out on the excitement of women's basketball. So basically, monthly during the season, we host pregame receptions at the Annex. It's just an opportunity to connect with fellow alumni, staff, parents over a meal before going to the game. Well, I I wholeheartedly agree. I think um, 
They it's, it's a I probably shouldn't say this because it's going to go out there, but I think they have a better show, a better program. Um, it's really exciting, and I I am often disheartened when I look around and I don't see a lot of folks there supporting them because they usually they give all that they have Absolutely. and they give a good season. So they do. Well, we're we're working on it, and and it's getting better. Honestly, when I this is we'll be going into season three that I've hosted these pregame receptions. And year one, we had maybe six or eight folks showing up. And this year, every pregame was larger than the previous pregame. So we are definitely making strides there. We just want to fill that out every single home game. That is the goal. I know. I went to a pregame event but it wasn't the alumni, and they kept they kept asking me, "Are you an, a, a women's basketball alum?" And I'm yes. like, "Come on, no." <laughs> so, so I had to go to like three different buildings because there were that many events that were happening around women's basketball. So yes. that was exciting. Yes, yes. So the purpose of our talk is to kind of really um, also speak a little bit around sort of the, the mural project and impact that it might have. How how does the mural sort of resonate for you? I look at the mural quite often. And every time I look at it, I see something different, which I think speaks to how beautiful and amazing the piece is. It's not a a one and done. And it reminds me of a family photo, a daughter, a mother, a grandmother. I can see all of that in the photo. I also like the the vibrant colors, which speak to me as a woman, just being vivid and kind of bold and out there in some regards. That's how it really resonates with me. I can see myself in any of of those women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I look at their eyes, Mm -hmm. um, it's as if they're saying, you know, here I am. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't dismiss me. Um, not anymore anyway. Right. Um, when you think about Marquette and your time at Marquette, what would you say um, would has been Marquette's impact on women of color? I think the impact that I've observed is more women in leadership roles at Marquette. Leadership and decision-making roles, certainly from um, a staff perspective. And when I think about alumni, I'm kind of reminded of Valerie Wilson-Reed being bold enough to create to create the Black Marquette book, um, celebrating not just uh, Black women, but Black men as well. That took strength, and she had the support of the university. And I keep going back to what that campus looked like for me in 2005. In, In 2005, I don't know that there was a structure in place that would have supported something as important as that Black Marquette book coming from a Black alum that really wanted to tell that story. So uh, those would be the my immediate mm-hmm. observations. And even though um, some of those stories may not have been altogether positive or flattering um, to Marquette, right, I agree. What has been the impact um, of the university on you personally? Mm. The impact on me personally is I feel that I have been given an opportunity to be a voice, to help bridge gaps, to build relationships, and to just leave a mark so that 
when I'm no longer in this role, someone can say, well, I remember having a conversation with Rochelle or Rochelle calling, saying, hey, what's your story? Is this something that you'd be willing to do in support of the university or in support of students? Um, That's the impact. I don't know in a different role or at a different organization, I would have the opportunity to do such this type of important work. And I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity. So in the role that you are playing here at Marquette, I can, I'm going to venture out on a limb here and say that you've been an inspiration to um, the young women who um, are watching you. Who have been the women who have been inspirations for you, women of color or otherwise? I was thinking about that and I I certainly do not want to get into any trouble here by (laughs) omitting um, just just start off with this is not an exhaustive list. It, 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 it is not an exhaustive list. But as I was also reflecting on the question, there are names that, that come to mind, folks on campus, folks that are famous. And as I dug a little deeper thinking about why I was drawn to, to say a woman, it occurred to me that there isn't like one or two women. I look for nuggets in people, whether they're famous or whether it's the person that I'm sitting next to in church, a positive encounter or words of wisdom, or sometimes not saying anything, just watching and observing how you engage with others. Those are the qualities in women that inspire me without naming. And just, I'll, I'll share just a really quick story with you. When I was, I'd graduated from high school, I was working over the summer at a binding factory doing books. And my job was to put the wire in. And it was a, a smaller company, had lots of temporary employees, including me. So fresh out of high school, I'm making I don't know, maybe $125 a week. That was big money back then. And I got to know a lot of the ladies. Like for them, this was their full-time job. This is how they were paying their bills. And so one of the managers came up and said, I want to let you know that we're going to lay off all of the temps. And there were about 25 of them. And these were heads of families uh, with children. But we will keep you because my time there was finite. Mm-hmm. And But the, the caveat was I could not tell anyone that they were going to keep me, which was gut-wrenching enough because I have formed bonds with these women. And I couldn't say anything and didn't want to lie about it. So I just really didn't say anything. So there was one woman. She had five children. And they were school age children. And I ran into her in the bathroom and she said, did you hear that they're laying everyone off? And I just said, yes, I heard that. And she started crying. And she said, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And she said, I'm just so thankful I worked enough to purchase coats for my children. And that I have never, ever forgotten that she's losing her job. But she's so grateful that she was able to buy winter coats for her kids. So those are the time. And I can't even remember her name in full disclosure, but I've never forgotten her story. Those are the types of women that inspire me. Excellent. That's wonderful. I like that notion of nuggets, Mm -hmm. too, not so much tied to 
an individual, but sort of what they what they contribute and, and the things that you can learn from them. Yeah. Switching gears just a little bit, this year um, our forum's theme uh, was really revolving around self-care, wellness, and healing. How do you practice wellness? Not very well. Um, and, and full disclosure, I think sometimes as women, we give so much of ourselves almost natural caregivers that it's hard to step back and say, okay, how are you caring for you? Especially if you feel good caring for others. And and I do. That brings me joy. A, a few things that I've tried to implement is reflecting at the end of the day. What did I do well today? What did I not do so well today? Sounds very Ignatian. Yeah. What did I not do so well today? And being okay with what I did not do well, giving myself that grace to say, okay, well, we're going to turn the page tonight and we're going to try it again tomorrow. And we're going to repeat this exercise. That is something that I do not every night, but I do try to do consistently and really make those mental notes to just to show up. And be better, and and I can see how a practice like that can keep you can keep you going, keep you moving, keep you motivated. But what do you do to refill those stores so that you can turn around for that next day and have the energy and the drive that you need? Yeah, going to church, being active in church helps, and seeing. It's very similar to the story that I shared with you about the young lady that I work with. Stories like that, those nuggets invigorate me because it reminds me how fortunate I am. And I find strength and comfort in that knowing, okay, it's not just you. It's not just you. You, you actually spoke a little bit to this, but what what would you hope to have been your impact on women of color who are watching you, who are following behind you, or maybe who have come before you and are now looking back? I would hope that they could find a few nuggets in me that I have found in others, be it a passion for women's basketball or ensuring that there is representation around the table. And if there isn't, not being afraid to ask some of those tough questions, attempting to lead with grace and understanding that I'm wonderfully flawed. We all are, but we still have those opportunities to continue trying and continue showing up. That's what I would hope women see in me. That's funny because as you were saying that, this this phrase just came to mind when I was thinking about you. You were talking about being wonderfully flawed. And the phrase that came to mind was, there is flow in my flaw. Mm, love I'm it. Not sure why that came, but mm-hmm. it just, just came it. to me. Love it. What are your hopes for the future, Rochelle? Marquette's future, your future, future of our community? Ah, okay. I'll start with Marquette's future. I I think that we are on a positive trajectory, and my hope would be that the good work continues so that the person that arrives on Marquette's campus in the next 10 years is not having to kind of start from scratch, so to speak, the, the way that I did, that there are really viable systems. And I say that holistically in place to, to mm-hmm. support the Milwaukee community. The future is bright as, as well. Um, 
in terms of enterprise, in terms of what's happening downtown with the Deer District. There are just so many opportunities here. I mean, there's some things that we need to get a better handle on, no different from any other uh, urban community. I still very much love this community and would like to see it continue to uh, to prosper. This is a total side question. How, how often do you get back to Benton? So interestingly enough, not very often. So at the time, I had tons of family there. After my husband and I, well, my sister had already moved here. My husband and I moved. My mother soon followed. So it was just my brother there. And a few years later, he moved here. So we really don't have much family left in Benton Harbor, but it's it's forever home. Mm-hmm. It's forever home. How has um, growing up in Benton Harbor prepared you for the work and the, the life that you're living right now? Benton Harbor was and is... It's a small, it's a close-knit community. So you know so many of the people there. They know your story. They know your family. It feels like having cheerleaders along the way, um, encouraging me to, okay, you are going back to college, right? Okay, you are going to apply for this position, Okay, yes. And I'm shaking my head. Yes, absolutely. This is what I am going to do. That care of others is, I saw that in Benton Harbor, even though I didn't really have a name for it. Like, I know that that is, that's cure personalis at at its best, care for the whole person. So I would say that was probably Benton Harbor's biggest impact on where I am today and who I am today. Okay. So what would you like our community to know about you and your journey? My journey is... Healy, it sometimes there's gravel. Uh, sometimes I get off course, but I always find my way back because of, again, just beautiful people in my life, in my circle. And my path is ever changing. And I, I welcome, I welcome that. Yeah, it, it's all of those things. It's not packaged in a beautiful gift box with a beautiful bow on top. It's messy because life is messy, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us today, Rochelle. Oh, it was my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Your story stands as a testament to the amazing stories in our community yet to be uncovered. Our roots say that we're sisters podcast and the mural project seek to make these stories visible. Again, thanks to our sponsor, the Marquette Forum, Marquette's Office of Institutional Diversity and Inclusion, and the Haggerty Museum of Art for your support for this project.